Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Prayer. I'm Pastor Andrew F. Carter, and it is 5.30 a.m. here in Inglewood, California. As you guys are tuning in, please let me know where you are and what time it is. It is Sunday morning, you guys, Sunday morning. And uh, I just want to let you guys know this is a worldwide ministry. Brothers and sisters from around the world. We got Lebanon in the house. We've got Indonesia, right? See, right out the gate, we're international, right? This is a worldwide ministry. Uh, New Mexico, good morning, good morning. That's what I'm talking about. Lebanon's in the house. Good morning. Miami, yes, Germany as always, right? Even if you guys have, I don't even care if you guys say it every day. I want to know every single day. Just a reminder for new people that there are people from around the world, Michigan, South Carolina, Pennsylvania, uh, Connecticut, Atlanta, Canada, Detroit, Wisconsin. Good morning, good morning, good morning, you guys. Um, I just want to let you guys know this is episode 100. Call it episode day. We have met 100 days, 100 days in a row without fail. We have shown up and shown out. It's wild because I started a podcast, and, and the podcast is just me taking these old recordings and adding it uh, to the file, and I started with day one of Coffee and Prayer, and man, we have come a long way. It's funny because it was never intended to be what it is today, uh, but like the first time, I think it was like 15 minutes, and I was just like, hey, good morning, you're reading Matthew 1, and I think it was Proverbs 25, and you were going to pray, and so we prayed, we had a good day, and that was it. And then slowly they've evolved from, you know, 10 minutes to 20 minutes to 30 to 45 to where we're almost here for an hour every single day. And um, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's evolved the depth that we've gotten into, the community that we've created over the last 100 days. Maybe you're new uh, or maybe you're a veteran. Maybe you're an OG. You're here from day one. You can attest to how it's changed. We've had new people come. We've had some people leave, but it is a beautiful thing. The reason that we are here is for Jesus. Because we are here for Jesus. And um, let me let me just answer this real quick. Uh, bien, venue, bien, happy birthday. I will not sing you happy birthday. Not because I'm rude or inconsiderate, but uh, that is not my move. I sing it for one person. Guess what? Everybody who hops on here, will you sing it for him? Will you sing? That's just ridiculous. Happy birthday. Uh, but uh, yeah, what this is, you guys, check it out. This is um, a Bible study. Maybe we can call it that. Maybe it's church. Um, it's a gathering. It's uh, believers, brothers and sisters in Christ from around the world coming together for the word of God. Amen. That's what it is. You guys are reading the scripture on your own. And I warned you yesterday. We're in, uh, what is it? Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. And it is a doozy. It's a long one. And then we go into Psalm chapter 89, and it is long as well. Super long. Acts chapter 7. So today, I want to jump right into it. Uh, you know, honestly, the Spirit wasn't on me as heavy when it came to this speech. It's a long speech, and we're going to break it down in just a moment. I just want to remind you guys, too. I love that on Sunday mornings, it's like people are exhausted. People are tired. They sleep in. You guys, I'm not taking days off right? Not from, not from this. I remind you guys that the devil don't take days off. Every day I need to read my Bible. Some people will just read it a little bit later, but I like to be consistent. I like to create a routine. I like to make sure that I'm disciplined and I do the same thing in and out, day in, day out, whether it's my nutrition, whether it's exercise, whether it's, it's uh, my Bible, my devotions, my prayer. I like routine and I like to control the things that I can. I might not be able to control the outside circumstances, but me reading my Bible is something that I can control. So if I ever find myself saying, I don't have enough time, that's simply my lack of discipline. And it's an excuse that I'm making in order to fill my, make myself feel better about not being able to do so. So I want to encourage you guys, make time for it. So here we are. Acts chapter 7. We understand that Stephen uh, has been chosen as one of the Hellenist Jews 
to kind of help with the, the congregation, right? We got we remind ourselves that uh, in the congregation, we have a mixture of, of Jews from around the area. And um, <clears throat> the Greek-speaking Jews, the Hellenist Jews, they the the widows and the the elderly they weren't receiving their portion and so they were grumbling to the, the apostles the apostles said look we need to pick you know what is it seven guys from your guys's group that can kind of oversee that and they chose Stephen and when they described Stephen they let us know that Stephen was filled with the holy spirit right a man with great faith and full of the holy spirit well, we find that the Sadducees have taken a special interest in him. He's a great debater. He is very, uh, he's very articulate and knows how to argue respectively with love and truth. And so the Sadducees take a disliking to him and the Holy Spirit is filling Stephen. And while he's arguing with them, he's kind of handing it to them, right? They're, they're, they're getting frustrated. And so what they do is they bring people in to lie against him and say that he was saying things that he wasn't in order, like the hopes is to get him arrested. And so they, they arrest him. They bring him in front of the council and, uh, you know, they, they start questioning him and they start bringing in false witnesses. And what we find in chapter seven is Stephen's speech. Now, Stephen's speech is kind of like a, a historical narrative. He really starts, and he starts kind of lining it up. He gives all of the backstory. Um, he, he mentions <clears throat> uh, Abraham and what God said to him, what God promised to Abraham. And then he speaks of Abraham's son, Isaac. And then he talks about Isaac's son, Jacob. And then he goes into how uh, Jacob, uh, he had a son named Joseph, and Joseph's brother sold him into slavery, where he found himself in Egypt. And then as he's speaking, right, he's he's really just quoting Old Testament. He's he's uh, breaking down uh, the book of the the book of Genesis and and some of the stories and the happenings and the things that happened in the beginning. He's kind of outlining the lineage of uh, David. Essentially, these are all individuals from the line of David. And so it talks about uh, Abraham, uh, Abraham's son. <clears throat> And in his lineage all the way down. They talk about Moses being born in Egypt. He talks about the struggle that Moses had for 40 years, being uh, in the desert, being in the wilderness, leaving Egypt. It talks about um, <clears throat> Moses hearing the Lord's voice in the burning bush. Uh, what else does it talk about? I mean, it, it, he's just like giving this narrative. You guys, he's, he's giving this account of what led up to this. He talks about... Um, Moses, the, the, the men who rejected him um, and, and casting him out of Egypt, uh, his own people, and now here God has him going back to Egypt. And then he talks about the people that Moses was over, how they made an idol. It keeps going, it keeps going. Then they talk about David, who pleased God. and But then they talk about Solomon, who built the temple. And it comes all the way up. It leads all the way up to this point, right? This is the part, and you guys are reading this on your own, right? You're reading this on your own. There are, what is it, 60 verses of Acts chapter 7. But this is the good part, okay? This is what we, we, we want to talk about. It says, Stephen continued speaking, verse 51. And this is where it went south, right? Up until this point, you can only imagine they're probably like, yeah, we know this, right? We're teachers of the law. We study and understand the Torah. We know what you're like, okay, and this is where he goes. He says, you stubborn people, you have not given your hearts to God, nor will you listen to him, right? You are always against what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you, just as your ancestors were. He was laying down this idea. He was calling out the men of God, the prophets, the, the messengers, God's chosen individuals who, uh, who, who had favor in God's eyes. He's laying them all out. He's listing them. But suddenly he's also incorporating the fact that they were rejected that the people were constantly rejecting the message of God. They created idols for themselves. They would reject God's messengers and his prophets and many times uh, would try to have them killed. And so here he is breaking it all down and he gets to the point and he's saying that it, these are you guys. You guys aren't the prophets. You guys aren't the messengers. You're not God's chosen ones. You guys are the people who are rejecting God. They don't like this very much. It says, your ancestors tried to hurt every prophet who ever lived. Those prophets said long ago that the one who is good would come, but your ancestors killed them. And now you have turned against and killed the one who is good. You received the law of Moses, which you gave, which God gave you through his angels, but you haven't obeyed it. You haven't obeyed it. This is the NCV version. 
Guys, I also have the King James Version right here. I go through them both. So before some of you are like, heresy, there's no these and nows. Before you guys lose it, uh, I'm reading from several different in uh, translations. I, I read the NIV, the NCV, the King James, the New King James Version. We go over this on a, um, <laughs> on a regular basis. But this is what this is saying. You have received the law of Moses, which God gave you through his angels, but you haven't obeyed it. Listen, you haven't obeyed it. And at this moment, right, at this moment, we understand that Stephen is killed. It says, when the leaders heard this, they became furious they were so mad they were grinding their teeth. They were grinding their teeth. But Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. This is a beautiful picture of, of being the first martyr for Christ. He looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at, right, at God's right side. And he said, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at God's right side. Come on. Then they shouted loudly and covered their ears and all ran at Stephen. They took him out to the city and began to throw stones at him to kill him. And those who told lies against Stephen left their coats with a young man named Saul. You guys, here's it's like this subtle introduction. You get this picture as there's this young man, Saul. He's he's uh he's at such a he's in a position to where he's holding coats. Right? He's holding coats in this moment. They introduce him. He sees the zealousy. He sees the fury. He sees the frustration and the anger of his teachers against these teachers of Christ. These ones who, profi- uh, who, who proclaim the name of Jesus. And so as, these, as those who told lies against Stephen, they leave their coats with a young man named Saul. We know that Saul eventually leads uh, a movement against the followers of Christ and eventually becomes who we know as the man Paul, a man after God's own heart. So it's kind of like you get this picture. It's almost for me, it's like a movie, right? And it's unfolding kind of story by story and they're entering new characters and this character Paul uh, is or Saul is who we know will eventually become Paul. So they leave the coach with him. While they're throwing stones, Stephen prays, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell on his knees and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, did not hold this sin against them. And after that, Stephen, after Stephen said that, he died. He died. Mm, mm, mm. And that is the, that is chapter seven of Acts. You guys are reading that on your own. Um, There's not a lot of food for thought, right? We think that we have it hard uh, when somebody is, is mean to us or, um, rejects us. They don't, they don't agree with us as far as the Bible is concerned. They don't believe in our faith, but we have to understand that this is real. You guys understand that this is real. And this actually does happen around the world. You understand that, um, I live in Los Angeles, uh, which, which isn't a very, I mean, the direction that this, that California is heading is definitely against Christ. But there's still a lot of states who stand on biblical principles. But even the fact that I live where I live and, uh, you know, followers of Christ are rejected, we have to take ourselves outside of ourselves and we have to look at what's truly going on in the world, right? There are Christians dying for the name of Jesus. You guys understand that? That, that don't be fooled or mistaken. Do not be deceived. Do not close your eyes to the truth. Don't believe that just because it's easy for you that it's easy for everybody. There are people from around the world. Many people are living in uh, countries and on continents that uh, have some of these rules that are enacted. They have some of these laws. Christianity is being persecuted around the world. There's places where you can't even meet publicly. You have to have underground church where Bibles are outlawed, where people are smuggling Bibles in like they're drugs. Being caught with a Bible can come with a punishment more severe than being caught with drugs. You guys understand that? Like, do you, like, do we, do we really, we, we can say that we get it, but do we truly wrap our mind around the fact that having a Bible is a luxury? Because there's places that don't even allow it. That they're, they're, they're hung, they're beaten, they're executed, they're exiled, they're fired on. <clears throat> Excuse me, i got to get some of this tea. <clears throat> and so, uh, it, it's up to us to switch our perspective. Listen, there are people who would die 
for the name of Jesus. There were people who would love to have access to this. Think about that, right? We struggle to read this when there's people who would die to have access to this. I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but there we, we have access. These are found in hotel rooms all around the nation, right? You go to most hotels, you open it, and there's a Bible there. The Gideons have gone to all these places. You go to prison systems, there's Bibles everywhere. We have access uh, relatively easy to the Bible. I have, pe- I have people who message me and like, yeah, I-, I need a Bible. I can't get a Bible. We don't have them in stores. We don't have them. We can't just go down to Target and grab a Bible. We don't have access, right? A- and we look at it in-, in such light and we don't understand the severity or the-, the-, the seriousness of the issue is we have these and many times they just collect dust, right? They're on a table or they're in a bookshelf and they, you know, we don't even open them up or read them. And there's people dying who would love to have access. My goodness. My goodness. We have become so desensitized and so distracted. We've become, uh, I don't want to say, like we've lost focus of the mission at hand. We don't understand this. And, And I guess that my hopes and my prayer is, there's a quote that says, what's the difference of the man, what's the difference between the man who can't read and the man who doesn't read? And, and there, there is no difference, right? I think that's like a Mark Twain quote. I don't even know, but I've heard that before and it stuck with me. You have the ability to read, yet you don't exercise it. You, you basically are rendering yourself illiterate. So we have access here. Most of us have access on this live. Most of us have access to a Bible, yet we don't even take the time to understand or read it. Wow. It's also, uh, it, it, it's funny that you know, I could probably ask you guys, where where should you start in your Bible? What should you do? How do you read it? Do you have questions? So many people will say, Andrew, um, you know, I'm struggling with forgiveness. Okay. Uh, you know, what should I do? And my response, most of you guys, a lot of you guys can vouch for this. My response is typically, what does your Bible say? Right? Well, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. That's the response I typically get. Or I don't know. I don't know where to find it. I'm, I'm stumbling upon and interacting with one of the, I don't want to say lazy, but one of the most uninspired generations that I've ever encountered, right? Not that I've encountered dozens of generations, but I, I, I'm here and it blows my mind that if I was like, hey, I need you to find me a pair of Jordan Air Force Ones, they would be able to jump on the internet and they would be able to find them, right? They could find anything. They can find all of these things, but somehow they lose, they, they don't understand on how, how they can find things here, right? And it breaks my heart. I love that you guys are listing all the places that you started. That really wasn't the point. The point was that if you want to know about repentance, what's a great resource that we have? We have the internet. We have Google. Um, it's as simple as typing in Bible verses about repentance. You Google it and you're going to get resources. Now I understand that there's a lot of misleading information out there, but I would rather somebody say, Hey, Andrew, I have a question about repentance. The Bible says in this verse, they at least give me the understanding. Many people will treat me as if I'm Google or they will rely on my knowledge and understanding of the word of God. You guys having the word of God is a part of our, uh, it's a part of our offense. Okay. If you can't quote scripture, if you don't, you can't quote it. If you don't know it, if you can't quote it, if you're not able to write it on your heart, how can you bring it to your memory in order to battle the attacks of the enemy? It's important. Look, some people use the Bible app. There are different versions. Some people, uh, you know, some people have different resources. Some people are in churches where they really emphasize discipleship and learning and reading. And this is just like, it's just one of those days where I feel the spirit saying we need to do better. We need to take more time with understanding and reading the scripture. Hence the reason that we have coffee and prayer. Every day we get up and we try to understand the scripture better. Um, If you guys have questions, if you're struggling with fear, worry, anxiety, concern, uh, heaviness, any of those things, you have the answers. Don't rely on my knowledge or understanding of the Bible. Rely on your own. And it's not as hard as you think to receive that understanding or to get direction. Use the the resources that you have at the tip of your, right here at your fingertips. 
You understand what I'm saying? So I'm encouraging you guys as, you know, don't run to me for your answers. Um, you know, really use the scripture. And I would love to, I, I'm here to help, but I would love if people would come and say, okay, Andrew, this is what the scripture says. Is this right? This is my interpretation. This is what God's putting on my heart. That they're showing me that they're they're making an effort more so. I love that they're reaching out so it's not a condemnation. Um, but I would love if they would take it a step further and start doing research on their own and having a better understanding and coming to me and saying, okay, this is what I found. This is what I think and believe. Can you confirm it or can you give me some direction? And that would bring so much joy to my heart. As a pastor, I understand that now you're searching for truth rather than just asking for questions. It's a microwave generation. It's so much easier. Hey, what does this mean? And it's like, well, I could tell you anything. Well, that means you got to stand upside down on your head and do a 360 and then you just receive it as truth. What if I'm lying? What if I'm not telling you the truth? Don't, don't receive it for me. Receive it from God and find out on your own. Amen. Vic says, if you don't read the Bible yourself, it's very hard to internalize it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Come on. The reason they take away the believer's Bible is because the word is our sword. Do not let them disarm you and know your weapon. That's a tweet. Like that is, that is, uh, I want to pronounce it Naomi Zen. Naomi, I don't know how you say it, but that was it. That was money, right? That was money. I love it. I love it. Today is day 100. We've spent 100 days breaking down the Bible. And it's just interesting to me that you know, I don't think that there's a coincidence. God doesn't make mistakes. The fact that we are on um, Acts chapter 7 and it's the death of Stephen, the first martyr uh, for Christ. And uh, I don't feel this overwhelming, right? I don't go by feelings. I don't feel this overwhelming message. It's more of just like light encouragement. Like, first off, I'm proud of you guys for showing up and showing out. You know how many people slept in or so many people skip this? They're just like, you know what? Uh, I'll catch up later. And that's okay. Like, that's not condemnation. But the fact that you guys show up, you're here on a daily basis, um, regardless of the day and the time. And if you do miss it, you guys are, are um, making it up. I'm just proud of you. I'm proud of you. I've seen a lot of people come. I've seen a lot of people go. And uh, I'm starting to get familiar with you guys. But I love the community that we've created. And it's not around me. It's around Jesus. It's around Scripture. It's around Scripture. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's good. ASAP Preach says coffee and prayer. See, I've got tea as well, my brother. I've got tea, right, in my coffee and prayer cup. I've been doing that with lemon before I drink decaf coffee. I got a little bit of both. So welcome. All all beverages are welcome here, right? Whether there's no division, whether you got coffee, tea, water, even if you're out here drinking milk, you can bring milk to prayer and I'm okay. I'm okay with that. So I love you guys and I honor you. So put uh, that's Acts chapter seven. There's not a lot to it. It's a uh, it's Stephen's speech before his life is taken from him for the name of Jesus, the boldness, the authority, the Holy Spirit that he was filled with. Um, it gives me hope. I know where I'm going, and I know that I'm going to stand on truth. My hope and faith isn't in this world. It's not in this life. I enjoy it. I enjoy the people in it. Uh, I enjoy being used, but I understand that at the end of the day, my faith is in Christ. My hope is in Christ. And, and Christ is in me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I want to be used to expand the kingdom. And I pray for boldness like Stephen, that even in the face of death, I will not waver. I will not back down because I understand that in those moments, right, God is with me. He's with me always, right? He's with me always, but I understand that he will be my strength. He will give me the words to speak and he will carry me through all of those challenges. Amen. Mm, mm, mm. Psalm 89. Thank you, Kathy. I appreciate that. Psalm 89 is a doozy as well. There's uh, 52 verses. There's a lot of reading today. And I think that it's appropriate that Today is a little bit shorter so that um, you guys can devote a little bit more time to your reading and your studies. But I want to share, there were a handful of verses that stood out. And um, it's just a reminder. In verse 1, it starts, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. You guys, what do you have? What, what mercies has God extended to you? Right? I think of the mercy that God has extended to me. The fact that I'm even here. 
being a young minority, I didn't think that I would make it to 21. The way that I lived with drugs and with alcohol and immorality, the violence, all of the things that, uh, you know, the way that I lived life, I was surprised to make it to 21 and then to 25 and then even 30. And so the fact that I'm here is a mercy. God protected me from myself from the consequences of my own poor decisions. Now I've been disciplined along the way. Um, there have been, there's been some, some, uh, some rock bottom moments, but I'm so thankful that he was with me. He carried me through and now allows me to use those experiences to encourage, inspire, and motivate others to put their faith in Jesus. So when this, when I read this, it was just like, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Forever, I will constantly talk about the things that God has carried me through. And it says, with my mouth, I will make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Every breath that I have, every day that I receive is a new opportunity for me to share with all generations, past generations, like the older group, right? And that's the cool thing about it. When I read this, it was cool because I know that I can resonate with a lot of generations. I have people on here who are over 50, 60, 70 years old. Right, and I'm not saying that's old, but that's uh, that's about oh, 15 years older than me. That's an older generation. I have people who are my age, right, in their 30s um, here, so that's like my generation. And then I have people on here who are under 30, under 25, also in their teens. So it's like to all generations. I can tell you right now. I will say this right now. God is faithful. So to all generations, right, right now with my mouth, I'm going to make it known that God is faithful. For, for, for you older generation, you guys can attest to this because you've been like, you've witnessed it. The older that I get, the more that I understand how faithful God is. The more that the older that I get and more experience. So if you're younger and you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life and I'm struggling and I don't see God. I can tell you now, be patient. Hold on. I can look back and the rejections, the things that didn't go my way was completely God's grace and his mercy. They didn't go a certain way for a certain reason. There was a higher calling on my life. So I can look back and have all, I, I have a choice. I can regret these things and go, man, it didn't work out. Man, it didn't go my way, man. Uh, and I can complain or, or pout or cross my arms and be upset. But I can tell you in this present moment, looking back, I am so thankful that I didn't get what I wanted, that God always provided what I needed because I can see how many times he protected me, how I dodged bullets, how he saved me. In the moment, you don't always see it, but the older I get and the way that God's plan starts to unfold for my life, I understand that many of those things were preparation. He was preparing me. He was preparing me for hurt. He was preparing me for different missions and different projects. He was unwittingly to me, unknowingly to me, me, there were things that he was doing. Let me give you an example. Let me just give you guys a little bit of, uh, of an example. For six years, I ran a gym. I ran a gym. Okay. I owned a gym, a CrossFit gym, and I taught a 5 a.m. class every single day. So what time would I get up? About 4.15, 4.30. So for years, I got up at 4.30 without fail. I think in the six years, I was late to class two times. Before that, I worked at a manufactured home company where I built homes. My, I think my job started at six o'clock, but I lived in a different city. So every day I'd have to get up at 4.30 to get ready to make the drive. So for over a decade, God prepared me, getting me up at 4.30 every single morning, day in and day out. You can't miss work because if you miss work, you miss paychecks. So I would go to work Monday through Friday, day after day, 4.30, 4.30, 4.30. You see where I'm going with this? Now, here I am today running coffee and prayer, okay? I get up every day at 4.30. It is a part of the habit. There's this consistency and this discipline. I get up knowing that I've already been prepared. God was unknowingly preparing me for this moment. So people ask, well, how do you get up every single day? I've been doing it for decades. This is easy. So what looks hard for some, man, I don't know how you get up and do it every day. God has prepared me for this moment. Years of training. There were days where I was hurt and sore and tired and sick and didn't want to get up. But if I wanted a paycheck, I had to bust through it. I had to show up and show out. So it's easy now for me to get up every single day. In the moment, it didn't make sense. In the moment, why do I have to strive and struggle? Why am I in these dead-end jobs? Why am I here? And the other thing is as I owned a CrossFit gym, let me break this down to you guys. This is a testimony. I'm testifying to all generations. Hear me out. This is powerful. This is going to blow your mind, right? 
Before I started a CrossFit gym, I was not into public speaking. I did not like to speak to people. I did not like to stand in front of crowds. Being a CrossFit instructor, you show up and you are in front of the whiteboard teaching groups. My classes were anywhere from five to 50 people at a time. Saturday classes were popping. We would have 40 to 50 people on a Saturday class in one class. I had a huge factory, a huge building for my gym. So over the years, God pulled this ability to speak in public out of me. We started small and we growed progressively, like over the time we grew. So before you knew it, I felt comfortable standing in front of people and speaking to them. Also, a part of building a gym is building community, creating events, showing up, being consistent and disciplined, helping people grow, helping people reach their goals and their own fitness goals, help discipling them in a sense with their nutrition and their exercise, helping them to create habits so that they would see results. Gyms do good because of the results that they produce. And so unknowingly, CrossFit was preparing me and it was getting me fit to carry my cross. Woo! Think about that. It was a CrossFit gym for six years that helped me and prepared me to speak in front of people, that prepared me and helped me to create community, that prepared me and helped me to help a disciple and get people results. I was not in church at the time. I was not going to church. But what I've been able to do is apply the idea and the philosophy that God created in me on how to build a successful gym the same way to build a successful church. Like, let that blow your mind for just a minute. So in the moment, I didn't understand. I didn't feel fulfilled. There was something that was off. Why am I here building this gym? Because God had to meet me where I was at. I wasn't going to go to a church and then learn all of those things. So here I am. I'm consistent. I'm up every morning. I'm, dis I'm disciplined. I know how to create community. I know how to get results. I know how to disciple individuals. I'm I, God was getting me fit to carry my cross through CrossFit. So stepping outside of myself and understanding that in the moment, I couldn't understand what God was doing in my life. But as I'm older, I can look back and it's been a couple of years since I've done those things, but I can go, man, it hits me sometimes and go, wow, God is so good. Even in my mess, even when I was running from God, he was still using my life to prepare me for something greater that would bring glory and honor to his name. Like, are you serious? Like that's how good of a God he is. So I'm going to, I'm going to proclaim to all generations that God is faithful. Even when you can't wrap your head around, even when you don't understand his ways are higher than ours. And right now he has you in a place and the place that you're at has a purpose and we don't always see it. Right? We'll sit there and we'll fold our arms and we'll, oh, I don't understand. Blah, 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 blah. And we'll complain and we'll grumble and, and we can't wrap our head around it. But I'm telling you right now, there's a, you're in that place for a reason. And in years to like years will come by. And I'm sure there's people on here who have testimonies, the similar ones where they're just like, you know what? I am using those past experiences to bring glory and honor to God. Come to think about it. God really was working even when I wasn't in him, even when I wasn't following him. Right. Everywhere that you're at, you're experiencing that heartbreak. You're experiencing that struggle in your job. You're the things that you're experiencing in this moment are meant to pull something out of you. God is creating character, right? He's allowing the adversity to shape you and refine you because at some point you're going to be able to use this experience to bring glory and honor to his name. Again, this isn't about us. This is not about us. We make it about us and the grace of God is the, the, the beauty of it is that he will take the mess that you've made. Okay. He will take the breakup. He will take the failed relationships. He will take the, 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 the dead end job. He will take the choices and decisions that we've made, the mess that we've made, and he will still use them because he's good, because he's faithful. He will take those things and he will use them for his glory. And one day you'll be able to look back and go, wow, that blows my mind. God is so good. He is sovereign. His ways are higher than mine. He can see around the corner. He can see 10 steps ahead, a thousand steps ahead, a million steps ahead. He knows how it ends. So don't forsake the season that you're in or the place that you're in because I'm telling you right now, God's going to be able to use that for a higher purpose. And at the end of the day, he will receive glory for the hardship that you're going through today. Amen. Kathy Donahue says he wastes nothing. He wastes nothing, even when we don't see it. <laughs> There's purpose in the pain. There's purpose in the pain. And it's our choice. 
So we have a choice. You have a choice, okay? You can look at your situation through the lens of a victim and say, oh, God, it's happening to me. Nobody understands me. Nobody gets it. I'm all alone. I'm this unique little flower with a one-of-one thumbprint, and nobody will ever understand the things that I've gone through. Man, woe is me. You know it's serious when I start talking to King James. Woe is me. You know what it reminds me of? You guys ever seen The Grinch That Stole Christmas, the one with Jim Carrey, where they're, where Christmas gets stolen and they just start, boo-hoo. And they start singing in unison, boo-hoo. I feel like that some of us, we have that, we, we choose to sing that boo-hoo over our lives. We're just boo-hoo, woe is me. I'm the only unique little flower going through this thing. Nobody understands me. And you choose, it's your choice, to feel like you're a victim. Nobody gets it. Nobody gets it. But is that the truth? I can tell you one person who gets it. Jesus gets it. Jesus gets it because he came to this earth. God put on flesh. He came to this earth and decided to experience every temptation known to man. He, he experienced every feeling. He experienced everything that you can possibly think of, yet remained pure, blameless, sinless, and perfect. So, so somebody does understand, okay? Was he rejected? Yeah, he had one of his closest homies stab him in the back. He's been rejected. He's, he's, he's been ridiculed. Imagine not doing anything and being accused of the absolute worst. Imagine being beaten to within an inch of your life and then forced to carry your own cross, then to be crucified when you've done nothing wrong. He lost people. He experienced grief. He wept. There, there, were, there, was, there, was, there was even times when he was in the garden saying, Lord, if, this, you know, if it be your will, take this cup away from me. There was, there were, I don't want to say that he was scared, but there was like this little bit of hesitation. He's gone through those things. Don't think that you're the only one. And the beauty of it is that we have Christ with us, right? The Holy Spirit resides in us. It is finished. It is done. So you can choose to look at your situation through the eyes of a victim where you can say, no, I'm a victor. Jesus already paid the price. It is done, right? This situation might suck. It might not feel great. But I do understand that God can create purpose from all of this pain. And there will be a day that I will stand on a mountaintop and I will testify and give glory to God and let people know that God carried me through these situations, many times the messes that I made. And I will give him praise and I will give him glory and I will shout to all generations that God is faithful. My circumstances do not change who he is. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was good yesterday, he's good today. If he was faithful yesterday, he's faithful today, regardless of what bump in the road that you're going through. Amen? I only got through one verse. I only got through one verse of Psalm 89. Come on, somebody. We keep going. Uh, some of the other things I want to I share, right? It says, verse 5, And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord. Verse 7 says, And to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. Verse 15 said, Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. Verse 16, In thy name shall they rejoice all day, and in thy righteousness they shall be exalted. I want to rejoice all day. I want to rejoice all day. I personally am going through a, a, a tough decision that I need to make right now. I'm going through a tough season right now where God's trying to pull some things out of me. There's some decisions and choices that I need to make where I'm being torn between uh, a couple of things. And regardless of the situation that I'm going through, I can say that God is good. Can you guys do the same? Despite what you're going through, can you give God praise? Despite what you're going through, can you give him the glory and the honor? regardless, because you know that he's faithful, that you know that the decision that you make, whether it's right or wrong, that he will receive glory from it, right? I understand that if I make a choice based on my flesh and my own desires and I go, ah, oh, okay, I think this is what you're saying. 
but but I'm completely ignoring it and missing it. I believe and know and trust that he can still take a miracle out of my mess. This doesn't give me a free pass to just kind of blow it and do whatever I want and to continuously follow my flesh. But I understand that there is so much grace, there is so much love that even in my mess, he can create a miracle. So with that said, regardless of my choice, whether I make it an error or if I mess up, I believe and know that he is faithful and that he is good. And that gives me something to rejoice about every single day. Because at the end of the day, if I drive out of here and I'm in a train accident, okay, I believe and I know where I'm going. So that's enough for me to be happy and to be joyful. I have Christ. I have Jesus. I have a relationship with God because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That for me, my friend, is enough for me to be thankful, grateful, and filled with joy. I will rejoice. Again, not saying that it's easy. I don't want to diminish your pain. I don't want to seem like I'm not empathetic or understanding, but we have a choice. We can allow our pain and the issues, and the things that we're going through to define us, right? That we can allow that to be our story or we can trust in the God who created us, the author of our story. That is who I want to define me. I want to be defined by Christ. And I understand that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In verse 17, it says, For thou art the glory of their strength. And it says, For the Lord is our defense. It goes on and on and on. Like I said, this is one of the longest, uh, one of the longest verses that we got, or chapters that we've gotten in a while. But you guys, on your own, your devotion is Acts chapter 7 and Psalm chapter 89. If you guys could put that in the chat, uh, I want to pin that first person who, who who plugs that in that would be awesome because that is your devotion this Sunday that is what you guys are reading and like I said I want to shorten this up a little bit so that you guys have more time to uh you know to to do that today anybody somebody anybody somebody anybody I bet you guys are just typing right now blah, 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 trying to get it there we go boom we got a winner 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 chicken dinner so Acts chapter 7 and Psalm chapter 89. That is what you guys are reading today. If I could leave you guys with one thought, right? One piece. Holy Spirit, help me here. If I could leave you guys with one thought, I want you to ask yourself, are you a victim or are you a victor? And be honest, right? If you can't be real, you can't heal. If you can't be honest with yourself, who can you be honest with? Are you allowing your life, are you looking at your life through the lens of a victim or are you looking at it through the lens of a victor? Because remember, we're not victors because of anything that we've done. We're not victors because of anything that we have, have laid out or, or walked through. We're victors because of Jesus. We're victors because of Christ, right? When he said, it is finished, we now have the righteousness of Christ. Are you walking as a victim or a victor? Have you not heard the good news that it is done? That, that he rose three days later? Are you, are, do, have, have you, did we miss it somewhere along the way? This isn't something, when you put your faith in Jesus, you now become the righteousness of Christ. God no longer sees you as your sin. Your sin has been, it, it's been paid for, it's gone. All of it, past, present, and future all of it. Not an excuse to live blatantly in sin and there are consequences for your actions, but God no longer is standing over you. You no longer experience the wrath of God. It was poured out on Jesus. It is no longer ours. So the question is, be honest. How do you look at your life? Are you going through a, a season of defeat? You've been victorious. You've overcome those things. You are no longer your past. You are no longer your mistakes. You are no longer your failures. We have an identity crisis that's going on right now. And, and my brothers and sisters in Christ don't even understand who they are. They don't walk with the boldness. They don't walk with the confidence. They don't walk with the authority. They see themselves as a victim. And I want that to change today. I want you guys to be praying over that. I want you guys to be understanding who you are in Christ and what happened who, like like what happened when he paid for paid for it all? Like what happened? You're no longer who you were, right? And it breaks my heart to see some of you. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And and, and this is where we find it. 
This is where you find it. You don't find it in a relationship. You don't find who you are in drugs or alcohol. You don't find it in success. You don't find it in accolades. When we change our identity and we know who we are, we start walking different. We start sounding different. We start we start operating different. Our function, right? Our function now uh, becomes a function of boldness. We no longer hunker down. God hasn't given me anything that he hasn't given you as far as spiritual gifts, as, a, as far as favor, as far, like we all have, we are co-heirs. We are brothers and sisters. We are, we are friends of Christ. The same boldness and fire and authority that I speak with, you have that as well. It's not just me. It's not just me. Amen. I just want to say I love you guys and I honor you. And um, I want to pray us out of here so that you guys can have a little bit. I keep saying, oh, we're going to be done. We're going to get out early. Literally, we're not getting out any earlier. Um, thank you, Holy Spirit. He just keeps putting more and more on my heart. I said, we're going to cut it out. We're going to cut it short today. Here we are 45 minutes in. Ain't no shorter. It's just, it just, it'd be like that sometimes, but, uh, it is my intention to, to start our prayer. So if you guys want to pray with me, if you guys would join with me in prayer, if you have a prayer request unspoken, you can put praying hands in the, the comment section. If, um, man, if you guys have something you want to speak or you want prayer warriors to lift you up, you can go ahead and be honest and open and share that in the comment section. For those of you who want to pray with your eyes closed, do so. If you want to lift others in prayer, do that as well. Um, and I just want to thank you before we pray. You guys have donated $236 in badges. Um, I appreciate that. I honor you. I appreciate you. I love you guys. That goes to our ministry. That goes to Royal City. Royal City in the house. And to the the, the, the things that we do um, in the community. So uh, we appreciate it. We honor you. We love you. And we thank you guys. And again, it's not about badges. I will show up and show out. I did when there were no badges. I'll be here with, it doesn't matter. 100 days in a row. We have been here 100 days in a row. And that is, we have been, a, we've gone on a tour with the sanctuary. And we still showed up regardless of what time zone that we were in. And uh, I love you guys. Imagine, those of you who have been with me from the beginning, how has this changed your life? It's transformed it. Discipline, consistency, a deeper understanding of the word and of who you are, a new confidence, a new boldness. Imagine what the next 100 days are going to do. Will you guys commit to that with me going the next 100 days? Let's let's break it down. Let's just go the next 21 days. Let's get to 121. 21 days creates a habit. It will transform your life. It will change your relationship with God. Give me the next 21 days, the next three weeks, and we'll almost finish the book of Acts. We'll almost be, I think we'll be right at the end. I think there's 28 chapters or something like that. I don't remember. Um, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for today. We want to thank you for your word. God, we give you praise, honor, and glory. Today, we ask that you would give us the boldness that we read about in Acts chapter 7 that Stephen possessed. Lord, even in the face of death, he stood on your truth. Even in the face of opposition and ridicule, even when people were lying on him, he stood on your truth and allowed the boldness and the confidence and the authority of Christ to run through him. God, we want that. We want that same boldness. That we receive it. We believe that when we ask according to your will, that you will give exceedingly and abundantly. And so right now, we're not asking for money. We're not asking for things. Right now, we are asking for wisdom. God, give us wisdom. We know that you will give us that abundantly. We ask for knowledge. God, we ask for understanding. Father God, we pray and ask for discernment. These are all things that we know that you will give. And so, Lord, we receive. We receive knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and discernment right here in this moment. God, we just want to—we just want to invite you into our hearts, Lord. Search our hearts the, to the deepest, darkest corners and caverns. Reveal to us, Lord, in this moment anything that might be in opposition of what you want us to do. God, if we're harboring sin, any anger, resentment, frustration, Lord, as we might be harboring jealousy. Anything that we're harboring in our heart, bring it to the surface, God, and deal with it. We don't want to leave this place the same. We ask that you would transform us, change us, Father God. We need you. Holy Spirit, mm, thank you, Lord. We need you. We can't do this on our own. We can't do this by our own strength, by our own endurance. We need you in our lives. 
God, we laid down every idol that we've created, just like the people of the past, just like, uh, just like the, the Israelites. God, we laid down our idols, our idols of relationship, our idols of money, our idols of success. God, this life isn't about us. It's about you. Father God, it's about you. If our will, if our, if our ideas and plans and purposes don't line up with your will, plans and purposes, we don't want it. God, we are praying in the name of Jesus for closed doors, for, for closed opportunities. For We want things that only come from you. If it's not from you, we ask that you would shut it down right here, right now, in the moment, today. God, do not tarry. Do not wait. Lord, I want to lift up my prayer requests of my brothers and sisters. We ask that you would breathe life into them according to your will. Because that's all we want. If it's not from you, we don't want it. We do not want it. God, help us to understand that your no and that your closed doors have love and goodness written all over it. Help us to receive that with open hearts and open minds. God, we ask that you would change us and transform us. And we, as we embark on another 21 days, Lord, we're setting a goal, 21 days. Give us the discipline and the consistency, whether to watch this live or on the replay, but that we would join hands and unite as brothers and sisters in Christ from around the world as we devote time, energy, and effort to knowing your word more intimately, to sitting with you collectively and having a better understanding of who you are, but also who you say that we are. God, as we leave this place, help us to walk with a new swagger, a swagger filled with confidence and boldness and authority, knowing our true identity that is found in your son, Jesus. God, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you, and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, somebody asked, are we reading Acts chapter 8? Yes, tomorrow. We're reading, we're reading Acts chapter 8 and uh, Psalm 90 tomorrow. I've got it pinned right down here. I thank you guys and I love you and I honor you. Wow, we just jumped up to uh, uh, 270 bucks. Glory to God. Glory to God. So thankful, so grateful for each and every one of you guys. And um, I hope you all have an amazing day. We'll be back here tomorrow morning, 5.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, day in, day out. I'm not missing unless God calls me somewhere else or calls me home, uh, whichever comes first. But at this point, I've got clear instruction that I'm to show up uh, day in and day out. As long as I've got breath in my lungs, I'm going to be here with you guys, coffee and prayer, uh, seven days a week. It's not a burden. Um, I do take a Sabbath, but uh, the devil don't take days off from reading the Bible, right? You guys don't think the devil knows? The, the devil knows the word of God. He was quoting it when he was tempting Jesus. So the devil knows scripture better than some of us. So that's why it's a burden on my heart to show up and show out and make sure that we are learning and growing in our knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of the word of God so that we can stand on truth and not be moved by the lies than the accusations of the enemy. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. I honor you. I bless you. And I will see you guys all back here tomorrow. Have a great day.